Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Please uh, turn back in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to be finishing our series in Colossians this morning. Let's uh, pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for saving us, not only as individuals, but into a great gospel family. As we consider your word now, help me to explain it clearly. And may your spirit encourage and convict all our hearts that we as a church may live together as godly gospel partners who love each other and work together to see the gospel advance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want you to imagine that St. Mary's was to receive a letter from one of the great Christian leaders of our time, perhaps uh, John Piper or Don Carson. And I want you to imagine that that letter was delivered personally by two of their co-workers, perhaps Tim Keller or Kevin DeYoung. And as you read the letter, you realize they, they not only know what has been happening at St. Mary's, but they care about our Christian growth and they have been praying fervently for it. Uh, what an encouragement that would be. What a reminder it would be that we're, we're part of something much bigger than ourselves, a global Christian community. Well, that's not unlike what we uh, see in the book of Colossians today. Uh, Paul mentions in chapter 2, verse 1, he's never met the Colossians face to face, and yet Paul cares deeply for them. He cares that they hold fast to the gospel and they don't move aside uh, to alternative philosophies or spiritualities that are not based on Christ. Uh, the MCO has uh, generated a particular danger that, that we live as individualistic consumer Christians, that, that we begin to think that uh, Christianity is a private affair between me and God, uh, so that it's enough to simply tune into the online service at my own convenience, but not actively engage with other Christians. But throughout this letter, we've been reminded that Christians are part of the body of Christ. We need to ensure, chapter 2, verse 19, that we hold fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. And in these final greetings, we get a glimpse of that global Christian community to which we belong, and we're encouraged to actively engage and partner with other Christians to see the gospel go forth. Well, first this morning, we see Paul's fellow workers. Uh, it's easy to imagine at times that uh, Paul was a one-man band, and a gifted missionary and church planter and preacher who did it all by himself. But Paul never worked alone. He names a, a long list of people here who were his co-workers. See, ministry is always a corporate enterprise that we, we engage in together. And in this list, we see that there's a great diversity of people. There's, there's Luke the doctor and there's Onesimus the slave. There's Aristarchus, Mark and Justus, all Jews, and the rest, all Gentiles. And yet this diverse group of people are all his fellow workers, whom he loves and whom he partners with. We begin with those carrying the letter, Tychicus and Onesimus in verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. 
He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Oh, Tychicus regularly joined Paul on his missionary journeys. He would also be the one to take the letter to the Ephesians. Onesimus, we're told here, himself is a Colossian. He is the slave that is mentioned in Philemon, who ran away from his master, and now, as he carries this letter, is courageously returning. Both are described by Paul as beloved brothers, faithful ministers. See, Paul didn't just send letters to churches. He sent people as well. Why? Well, verse 8 tells us because he wanted them to be encouraged by the gospel work that God had been doing despite Paul's own suffering. Paul really cared. Well, what about us? Do we have that same care and concern for the growth and encouragement of other Christians? Uh, to what lengths are we willing to go to love and serve other Christians? As I mentioned during this uh, lockdown, there is a danger that we become rather inward-looking, uh, that we withdraw from other Christians. But Paul and his team were eager to encourage other Christians, even those they couldn't meet physically. Uh, indeed, he sought to encourage Christians that he'd never even met before. Of course, it's easier for us than for Paul. Paul was in prison. His only medium of communication was, was a letter. Uh, we have Zoom calls. We have phone calls. We have WhatsApp. We have so much more. We're not uh, uh, confined to our houses totally anymore. And so let's pray that God would give us such a love for other Christians that we would go beyond our comfort zone to contact and encourage other Christians with the gospel. Maybe for you it means making the effort to attend that online small group. Or maybe it means making some phone calls to others in the congregation. Maybe it means sending a message and asking what you can pray. Let's have Paul's heart for other Christians. Well, in verses 10 to 14, Paul names five further individuals who send their greetings with Paul. The first is Aristarchus, verse 10, described as a fellow prisoner with Paul. Uh, originally from Thessalonica, he was a regular companion with Paul on his journeys. And he was willing, like Paul, even to go to prison for preaching the gospel. And next we have Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. He was the author of the Gospel of Mark. Now he too had travelled as Paul's missionary partner. But in Paul's first missionary journey, Mark had abandoned Paul and gone to Jerusalem. So when Barnabas wanted to take Mark along for the secondary missionary journey, there was a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. And Paul was not willing to risk taking Mark along anymore. We read all that in the book of Acts. But in verse 10, Paul writes, Concerning Mark, whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Isn't it wonderful? Paul and Mark are reconciled 
And now Paul wants the Colossians to extend that same hand of fellowship to Mark as well. Maybe you feel like you've, you've failed in Christian ministry. You've, you've let others down. Isn't it wonderful to see how the gospel brings people together, helps them work out their conflicts, even their disappointments? Verse 11 says, These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Sadly, most of the Jews rejected the gospel in Paul's time. But not all. Some, like Paul, Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, did receive the gospel. They worked together as fellow workers. I wonder if you notice this list of, of Jewish gospel workers is, is sandwiched between two lists of, of Gentile workers, one in verses 7 to 9 and one in verses 12 to 14. It's a reminder that, that Gentiles really are included in the kingdom, united with Jewish believers. Whatever differences may divide them, they, they are fellow workers together in the gospel. As we saw in chapter 3, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Uh, we live in times right now where racial divisions dominate the news, perhaps rightly so. But here in Colossians chapter 4, we see the starkest of racial divisions between Jew and Gentile, totally overturned by the gospel. They are now united in Christ, serving the gospel together as beloved fellow workers. And if that is the case between, between Jew and Gentile, surely it ought to be the case between Indian and Chinese, between Bumiputra and foreigners, whether from the East or from the West, from Africa, from America, wherever they might be from in the world, the gospel ought to unite us as fellow workers. We also ought to reflect on that phrase, fellow workers, and implies that there is a work other than creation work. There is, there is gospel work, what is elsewhere called the work of the Lord. Here, Paul and his fellow workers are, are laboring in preaching the gospel. Because as we saw last week, it's only as we prayerfully speak the gospel of Christ to others that they will ever know him as their Lord and Saviour. And so even though we do truly serve the Lord in our creation work, as we do it for the Lord in sincerity and integrity, there remains a, a priority for this, for this gospel work, which some, like Paul and his fellow workers, give up their creation work to focus on. But whether we engage in full-time gospel work or not, we saw last week that, that all Christians are to conduct themselves wisely before others, seeking to make the most of every opportunity to make Christ known. Now, it's worth noting that, that preaching is not the only way that we are to labor for the Lord in this passage. Epaphras, in verse 12, labors in prayer. Verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, 
that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. We're told in chapter 1 verse 7 it was, it was Epaphras who planted the church in Colossae and he became, as it were, their, their first missionary sent out from them. He was one of them, verse 12. He was a Colossian. But even as he, he left them with that, that mission mindset to, to preach the gospel elsewhere, he never forgot about them. He struggled in prayer for them. Isn't it an encouragement to hear that he struggled in prayer? As if being devoted in prayer does not necessarily come naturally. There are many things to distract us and discourage us from praying. But here is an encouragement for us all to work hard at our prayer life, to put in some effort to pray as a concrete expression of our love for other people. It's also an encouragement to see what Epaphras prays, verse 12. He prays that they may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. We've seen throughout the letter the Colossians were being tempted to move away from the gospel of Christ and instead depend on religious works and, and spiritual experiences to become truly mature Christians. But Epaphras has been praying and praying and praying that they, they wouldn't budge, that they'd hold fast to the true gospel and truly live out the Christian life as God intends. Now, often in our prayers, we're preoccupied with earthly matters, our jobs, our health, our family, all important things for us to be praying about. But sometimes we neglect the heavenly matters, which are of ultimate importance, like the growth of other Christians to maturity. But not Epaphras. He, he models for us what our ultimate concern should be. Now, our prayer life reflects what really matters to us as Christians. Uh, I wonder if you, this morning, need to get back to the spiritual gym, as it were, to, to get your prayer life back into shape, to work hard at praying for the growth of other Christians. I found that the Prayer Mate app very helpful in helping me to pray. Well, finally, we meet Luke and Demas in verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Now, this Luke is the author of the books of Luke and Acts, uh, who joined Paul on his missionary journeys. It's from this verse that we know that he was a doctor. Yet that important job did not stop him from engaging in the work of the gospel or in understanding gospel truth deeply. Luke 2 is an encouragement for us not to let our work get in the way of knowing and serving the Lord. Spiritual matters matter more than physical health. And Demas, on the other hand, is a warning for us. Uh, here he is named as being with Paul, sending greetings. But sadly, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, Paul will later write, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. 
And it appears Demas deserted Paul for some worldly pleasure, perhaps to avoid suffering for Christ. But if giving up on Christ was a, a danger, even for one of the co-workers of the great Apostle Paul, surely it's a danger for any of us. We must all press on in serving Christ to the end. Now we must make sure that even as we preach the gospel to other people, that we keep loving Jesus ourselves. Well, finally, Paul gives some final instructions to the church. And really in these verses, he's, uh, he's calling on the Colossians to play their part in the global Christian community. Now, first, they're to pass on Paul's greetings to others. Look at verse 15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Now, secondly, they are to make sure Paul's letter is delivered to them to read. Verse 16, when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Now, we don't know what this letter from Laodicea is. Uh, some argue that it's the letter we call Ephesians. Uh, it may have been another letter that is now lost to us. It doesn't really matter. What does matter is that Paul expected his letters to be passed around. Yes, they were directed to a particular church with a specific situation, but they were relevant for all Christians to read. Now, that's why they were finally gathered together in the pages of the New Testament, and that's why even as we read them today, they are benefit to us in our Christian walk. But more than that, Paul is calling on them to to action. He is reminding them that they're part of something that is bigger than themselves. That they're not in some small exclusive cult. They are to take their place in the global Christian community. And they're not simply to, to be ministered to. They are to minister to others as well. Hence verse 17, say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. As a church, they are to make sure they are serving other churches by raising up ministers to serve them. There may be some of us here today that need to hear this word. You've been encouraged into gospel ministry. Make sure you get on with it. Fulfill the ministry. Well, in verse 19, Paul takes the pen from his scribe to sign off. Verse 19, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul closes with a reminder of his suffering. But fittingly, it's grace that gets the last word, as it does the first word of the letter as well. For it's God's grace in the gospel that will bring us to become Christians and to go on in the Christian life to the end. Well, as we conclude, let's consider the key message of this passage. Now here, Paul shows us that we are part of a global Christian community. We're not simply to live in a Christian bubble where we only care about the people immediately around us in our church Rather, we're called to actively engage 
in an international community where we deliberately express our partnership and love with other Christians. Now we are greatly blessed at St Mary's to enjoy tremendous gospel partnership with people all over Malaysia and indeed the world. We have benefited so much from other Christians who have sent us money, who have sent us workers, who have sent their prayers and preachers on a regular basis. And as the cathedral, we have a very important responsibility, not only to, to care for the growth of this church, but also the growth of other churches around us. And sometimes for us, that will mean sending workers or sending money. Sometimes it will mean sending uh, uh, preachers or writing letters and emails or, or making visits to others for their encouragement in the gospel. For we're never simply individual Christians. We are part of the body of Christ. We are united to him and therefore to one another. And so we are to actively build gospel partnerships with one another and with other Christians in the world. And so let us resist the temptation during this time of online church to become consumer Christians. Instead, let us really push ourselves out of our comfort zone for the sake of other people. Well, we've seen in Colossians that Jesus is sufficient and Jesus is supreme. He is the supreme Lord of all creation and he gave his life to reconcile all things to himself. And we've seen in Colossians that the gospel is the engine room for the Christian life. We must never turn aside from the gospel to worthless human philosophy or religious works or, or, or spiritual experiences as a way of growing in the Christian life. Because it is the gospel and the gospel alone that will transform our hearts, that we live out those heavenly lives to which we have been called at home, at work, and in the world. And it is the gospel that will transform us from being self-centered consumers to global gospel partners. May the word of Christ dwell richly among us and bear fruit not only in our lives, but throughout the world. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again that Jesus is the supreme Lord of this world. We thank you that through his death we are reconciled to you. We are made members of Christ's body and part of this global Christian community. We thank you, Father, for the blessing of gospel partnership. We pray that you would help each one of us to play our part in serving the advance of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.